Welcome to the Gen Z Stoic Podcast, where every week we strive to lead younger generations on a path to virtue through the insight of Stoic teachings and personal stories from our lives as Gen Z Stoics. Welcome to the Gen Z Stoic Podcast, Stoic reading number five. I'm your co-host, Ren, and today we're going to be looking at letter three of Seneca's Letters from a Stoic. Now, letter three is about friendships, and so we are going to be titling this letter, Leveling Up Your Friendships. Now, letter nine in Seneca's Letters from a Stoic also talks about friendships, and in my humble opinion, does a better job at it, has some more some quotes that resonate more with me. But letter three is also good at providing important perspective on your friendships, because they are vitally important. If you think about it, you regard yourself strictly and you build up your character, the people you surround yourself with aka your friends, should these people who are of the same character. Maybe they don't have the same exact purpose, you want to do different things in life, but if you both have morality and morals that agree, you have principles that agree, and your character is similar, then that's somebody you should choose to hang out with. But that takes time to figure out, which is something that feels like we have not given to friendships in our generation. So Seneca begins letter three, by telling Lucilius, you have sent me a letter by the hand of a friend of yours. And he puts friend in quotation marks, as you call him. And in the next sentence, you warn me to avoid discussing your affairs freely with him, since you are not even the habit of doing so yourself. In other words, you have described him as being a friend and then denied this in one in the same letter. Now, this is kind of a sidebar here, but Seneca starting a letter like this is pretty funny to me because Seneca definitely seems like the friend who... You're having a conversation or you're writing a letter to him and you mention some minute detail that you thought would not matter within the context of the story, but that friend picks it up and runs with it into like a philosophical lesson. Why is this funny to me? Because I am that person. I am that same exact friend. I had a buddy over in my dorm room last night and we were just talking and then all of a sudden, boom, philosophical discussion about something he said. And while... You know, it's kind of a sidebar. I just think it's funny that many um, many of my idols do the same kind of thing to their friends. Maybe it's not the best quality to have, but it's much better than some of the qualities that Seneca goes on to express. Now, getting back to the letter, he says, Now, if you were using that word in a kind of popular sense and not according to its strict meaning, and calling him a friend in much the same way as we refer to candidates as gentlemen, or hail someone with a greeting, my dear fellow, if we... When we meet him, his name slips our memory. We can let this pass. But if you are looking on anyone as a friend when you do not trust him as you trust yourself, you are making a grave mistake and have failed to grasp sufficiently the full force of true friendship. Now here's where we get to our first kind of teaching moment. You have to trust your friends like you trust yourself. Or else a friendship does not work. Think about high school, even college now, friendships where how many people do you see give each other 100% trust? It's, it's very rare. Within within our generation and the times now, it's a it's just an accomplishment to trust yourself. So if you get to that level where you trust yourself completely and you understand what you want to do with your life, which is is for sure an accomplishment, why wouldn't you apply that same standard to someone who's as important as a friend? A friend is somebody who's going to be there for you through anything. It's somebody who's going to be there as a resource for you. So why not level up your resources? Why not maximize your resources as much as possible? And the way you do that is you trust people like you trust yourself. Because you trust yourself, you tell yourself anything, you're comfortable in any situation, you're comfortable with your mindset. Why wouldn't you want that exact same feeling with a friend? 
somebody who's dependable, somebody who you know is kind of in the same headspace as you are, and you guys are going to think similar things about similar topics, and so you're comfortable and you can discuss anything with them, which is what the intended purpose of friendships are. To get off on a tangent, for men especially, we kind of have the cliche of like a group of five or six guys who just sit around and they sit around and just kind of shoot the breeze and are talking about stuff, get stuff on their chest, and that's what they do. Now, modern society would say, hey, that's bad, they need to go to therapy or something. But men have survived, and men that I know who are fully functional, healthy individuals, both mentally and physically, have functioned off of those kind of relationships. And I'm somebody who's prioritized those kinds of relationships as well, where I can just like call one of my good friends, and we just have that conversation where it's just kind of shooting the breeze, shoot, talking about random topics. And what Seneca is saying here is the only way that you get to that place where you have a close-knit circle of those kind of friends are trusting them fully. And he'll go over in this next paragraph what that means and how you get there. But by trusting them fully, boom, you're comfortable. You don't have these friendships that seem very common now where it's like a very convenient friendship. Like, oh, I have this class with this person or I have this similar interest. They're going to be my friend not how friendships work unfortunately friendships take a little bit more time at least high quality ones so with this time right in mind the time that it takes to make a true friendship Seneca says certainly you should discuss everything with a friend but before you do so discuss in your mind the man himself after friendship is formed you must trust but before that you must judge key point here I, I like to keep this kind of contextualized with uh, Marcus Aurelius's teaching that you should be strict with yourself, but tolerant of others. Unfortunately, that doesn't apply fully when it comes to friendships, because again, friendships are vitally important. When you are my age, teenage years, growing up, forming your beliefs, forming your development as a person, who are you surrounded by the most? It's not your parents. It's very rarely your family. It's your friends. And that being the case, that means that friendships are vitally important so that you form, you develop into a good person, into a contributing member of society, an upstanding citizen, a stoic, a virtuous person, all of those good things. Your friends are the key to that because think about it. You spend a lot of time with your friends in those formative years. Yes, you spend time with your parents, but as teenagers, we're naturally inclined to like keep stuff from our parents, not discuss everything with our parents. So we need that resource because it can't be bottled up. And I'm not going to say therapy isn't a good resource for that because it is. But also friends, friends are vitally important for that. And I can know from firsthand experience, I'm somebody who I mentioned right at the top. I'm very philosophical. And so we'll be, I'll be discussing something with my friend. And I'll just bring up, well, so-and-so said this. And, you know, while that might be annoying to my friend, the friend then realizes that I'm somebody who I can, who they can come to if they have a problem and they need just genuine advice because now I, I'm sounding very not humble here, but I like to keep it real. I'm a very genuine person. And so I'm not going to sugarcoat things. I'm just going to give you what I think you need to hear. And so those qualities, I'm just using this as an example from my personal life. Those qualities have been exemplified to people and the people who like those qualities, the people who appreciate those qualities have then chosen to associate with me and because we have those similar values. We have very good, very constructive conversations where I get good advice. I give somebody good advice and it's a give and a take and it's a very productive, healthy friendship and one that you, you cherish, you value. Because think about it. When you classify your friends, how, how much nicer does it sound to have a friend who it's 10 p.m. 
I don't know, you just got yelled at by your parents or something. You're feeling very down. And you call them at 10 o'clock. You talk through it with them. And they're your resource right then to get through that situation. And you're fine. You go to bed. You're happy again. No negative manifestations there. Or would you rather have the friend who's like, it's 10 p.m. You call them. And they're like, oh, I'm just chilling with the bros. And they're like three of them in a car. And they're they're just doing kind of degenerate things. Which friend would you rather have? You you cherish the friend who's dependable, who has the similar values you do. And so if we cherish it that much more, and it's that much more of a resource to us, just like I mentioned in the last Stoic reading where, you know, good things take a lot of hard work. The same thing is true with good friendships. It takes hard work in forming those friendships. But once the friendships are formed, then you're good to go. Everything comes to pass. And that's what Seneca is saying here, right? He says... After friendship is formed, you must trust, but before that, you must judge. So put in that legwork of judging before the friendship so that once you get to the friendship, you don't feel uncomfortable with them. That's the thing. If you judge their character fully before you even enter that friendship, then you have no questions entering the friendship. Then you don't have to say, well, are they going to backstab me? Or if I tell them this, are they going to tell other people? No, you already judged beforehand that they're not the type of person to do that. Will people surprise you when you become disappointed? Yes, because in our generation, it seems a lot of people are that kind of way where they backstab you and all those things. But that's why you just have to take the time and you really have to vet the person out. Now, obviously we don't want to be too strict with them, but because they are people who are our closest resource through these formative years, because they're the people who are most like us, we want our friends to be most like us. Then we can clearly see that we should judge them like they're ourselves, like they're an extension of ourselves. And when you're hanging out with them, technically they are, because you're judged by the actions of your friends when you're with them. So Seneca goes on to say, think those people who, contra contrary to Theoprastus' advice, judge a man after they have made him their friend and so the other way around, certainly putting the cart before the horse. Think for a long time whether or not you should admit a given person to your friendship. When you have decided to do so, welcome him heart and soul, and speak as unreservedly with him as you would with yourself. You should, I need hardly say, live in such a way that there is nothing you could not as easily tell your enemy as keep to yourself. But seeing that certain matters do arise on which convention decrees silence, the things you should share with your friend are all your worries and deliberations. Regard him as loyal, and you will make him loyal. Some men's fear of being deceived has taught people to deceive them. By their suspiciousness, they give them the right to do the wrong thing by them. Why should I keep back anything when I'm with a friend? Why shouldn't I imagine I'm alone when I'm in his company? So just adding to what I said there, but the um, new thing here is that w when you don't have that trust, it's certainly felt by the person, and so they reciprocate. And so that's why it's so important to establish that before you get into a friendship. Because think about the people who like you would consider like toxic friends, who get into all this drama, they fight all the time, but at the end of the day, they're somehow friends. It's such an unproductive relationship. What are they getting out of this friendship? It's because they have in this mindset that most likely they're the center of attention. That's what I've come to find from people who act like that. But they think they're the center of attention. They think everybody's out to get them and they seek problems with other people. I think what Seneca is kind of illustrating here is the problem seeking people. They find problems. If you're out there looking for an issue, you're going to find it. So in the same regard, if you're with a friend and you don't trust them, you're looking for a reason to call them out, a reason to say that they're deceitful, then they're going to provide you with a reason. So instead of doing that, how about you have a healthy friendship, vet them first, and then fully trust them, fully share with them, and you become like two dynamic duo beings who just 
go back and forth and give each other advice and are a useful resource. So finally, Seneca says, there are certain people who tell any person they meet things that should only be confided to friends, unburdening themselves of whatever is on their minds into any ear they please. Others, again, are shy of confiding in their closest friends and would not even let themselves, if they could help it, into the secrets that they keep hidden deep down inside themselves. We should do neither. Trusting everyone is as much a fault as trusting no one. So Seneca's calling out a spectrum here where he's saying that we need to essentially find balance. Now, the first person, the person who trusts everybody and shares everything with everyone, that's more of a personality type of thing. Definitely not me. I, if I had to be classified into either, I would definitely fall closer to the second one where I trust very few people. But what Seneca's saying here is we need to find a balance because we can't get through life alone, obviously, but we also shouldn't be sharing everything with everybody because not everybody is virtuous, not everybody is caring. Unfortunately, there are bad people in the world. There are people who don't have your best interests in mind. And you can't really easily identify them in five seconds. So be very, very selective. And part of being very, very selective is being selective with your friends so that when you're in that rambling mode, because I feel like all humans get there, right? Even I get there. When you're in that rambling mode and you're like, ah, oh, I need to share all this stuff. I need to get all this off my chest. Your friend's there. He's got your back. He's got your back, Jack. Like he's, he's, he's there. So finally, similarly, People who never relax and people who are invariably in a relaxed state merit your disapproval, the former as much as the latter. For delight in bustling about is not industry, it is only the restless energy of a hunted mind. And the state of mind that looks on all activity as tiresome is not true repose, but a spineless inertia. This prompts me to memorize something which I came across in Pomponius. Some men have shrunk so far into d dark corners that objects in bright daylight seem quite blurred to them. A balanced combination of the two attitudes is what we want. The active man should be able to take things easily, while the man who is inclined towards repose should be capable of action. Ask nature. She will tell that she made both day and night. I love that last line. Absolutely love that last line. She will tell you that she made both day and night. Meaning that it's in nature. It's in human nature to have periods where you're very restful. He calls it a state of repose, which is kind of lazy in a sense. But also day, where you take action. And so what Stoics should do here is do neither of these things. Don't trust everybody, but don't trust no one. Don't be relaxed all of the time, but don't be bouncing around doing things that are meaningless. Find balance. And if you find yourself you're on one end of the spectrum or another, like I said, I am more inclined to trust no one before I trust everybody. I feel like that's just how my personality has been, my experience has been. But I have to learn to be comfortable sharing very openly with a lot of people. Because maybe I'm in a setting that calls for that, like professionally. If you're in a setting, you're in a work meeting with, you know, chatty Kathy over here, and they're sharing everything, then maybe you share one or two things about yourself that aren't really big deals, but things that will kind of feed the appetite of the conversation. You have to kind of blend in, in a sense. Or if you're somebody who openly shares and needs to scale it back a bit, and you're with somebody who is very quiet, doesn't share a lot, you kind of got to get in the same mindset. So you have to be comfortable in every situation, but you should seek a balance. And you shouldn't only choose to trust everybody, relax all the time, but you also shouldn't choose to trust nobody and do you know, your own thing all the time. It's got to be some sort of balance. And I, I like the nature of being night and day as like the perfect ending to this kind of metaphor. And one final thing I'd like to say is that we seem to, in an era of social media, it's only exacerbated the issue. Social media influencers share everything, and they make a ton of money off of it. And, and 
inevitably people are going to say, well, if I can share everything in my life and make money off of it, why wouldn't I do that? It's an unhealthy thing. Human beings are not made to show every single thing they're doing within the community. There's a reason your house has four walls and doors that you can close and windows you can shut and blinds you can have. It's because privacy is something that has become undervalued in society. And it's not stressed in these teachings, but it's something I stress personally, is that we should put a priority on privacy. We talked about sharing and friendships and all of those things. Even within the friendship, don't share things over social media with your friend. It's kind of meaningless. At least for me, when people, you know, when my friends, it's all good to, you know, send some snaps, some DMs, all that, all that stuff. That's fine. But if your friendship is based upon social media, it's a false friendship. That's what I want to leave with today is that contextualizing in modern times, social media will bring around a, a lot of false friends. A lot of people who, this is easy for me to sit on my couch and snap you and I might want something from you. So it's kind of a quasi friend, somebody who's not really there for you. And you got to be able to see through that. You got to be able to quickly dispatch that. And the the easiest way to do that is say, my friendship should not be based off this cellular device in my pocket. It should be off having conversations like the one I'm having on air right now, those type of conversations. And if you're able to do that, you'll build much more healthier, much healthier, much healthier relationships, much healthier friendships than your friends who are doing the opposite. So take that advice with a grain of salt. This has been Stoic Reading number five. Next time, Stoic Reading number seven, we'll be checking out letter four which will be another good episode. As always, thank you for listening, and I've been your co-host, Ren.